With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Day three of our Senior Bowl coverage is just about officially in the books. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex Smith alongside Fran Duffy here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Uh, Fran, three days of practice. Uh, We saw a lot of players. Uh, Nice to see them up close. Also nice to get a little bit of good weather today as well. Yeah, I know that's something that you've been championing for for uh, <laughs> about 48 hours now. So glad to see Are you saying that now. I've been complaining a little bit too much? A, a, a little bit too much. But uh, I think that the, the sun came out, and look, we got we got to see some of these guys shine bright. In the under oh, the my God. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess I set you up for week. that one. <laughs> <laughs> We've been out in the sun a little bit too long, I go. guess. But uh uh, a really great addition, if I should say so myself, of the Journey to the Draft podcast today. Uh, we'll dig into our draft buzz, as always. A couple of news and notes here or there from down here in Mobile. Uh, we'll be joined by Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net for Mr. Relevant, as he tells us the players that stood out in his eyes here on day three. We'll do our pick six, as we always do. We'll have an unofficial visit with perhaps the most versatile offensive lineman down here in Mobile, and we'll explain why he's so versatile later in the podcast. And then we'll go on the clock, we'll dig into our draft mailbag, and uh, we'll call it a day. Sound good, Frank? That sounds good. Let's get started. Let's dig right in. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. First item of business here. In Draft Buzz is a bit of housekeeping as uh, we have an adjustment to the roster here. Northwestern State wide receiver Ed Egan and Illinois wide receiver Geronimo Allison, a guy that we saw at the Shrine game last week. Those two players are here. UMass wide receiver Tajay Sharp and Rutgers wide receiver Leonte Carew have have, uh, unfortunately had to drop out due to injury. Sharp was a a really intriguing prospect, a guy I liked a lot. Uh, And Carew even showed some flashes yesterday. But Egan and Geronimo are in. Sharp and Carew, uh, unfortunately, out of the picture. Yeah, and we saw Allison last week at the East-West Shrine game, a guy that certainly has NFL size. I want to say he's 6'4", 215-plus pounds. Uh, and has the ability to go up and win in those contested situations. We saw him at the Shrine game. And Egan is a guy who was a former defensive back, transitioned to the offensive side of the football, was a return specialist there uh, at Northwestern State. Definitely has some versatility as well. And he made a couple catches today. Yeah, he did. He, he showed some flashes here or there. And Allison's a, a really intriguing uh, wide receiver prospect because, as you mentioned, friend, he's got the body. I know you've talked in the past about, you know, making those contested contested catches, and that's what you want to see out of a big player like Allison. But I thought I saw more from him today alone than I saw from him the entire three days that we saw him at the Shrine game. Um, they were doing a lot of red zone drills today, and I really think that's an area where he could be an outstanding player. Uh, so I saw a little bit more today than uh, we have in, in previous situations with Allison. Um, so maybe it's a situation where he kind of raises his game with the competition level around him. But uh, with his size at the wide receiver spot, I think that he's certainly going to be an intriguing prospect come draft time. And it's certainly something you can't teach is the size at the wide receiver position. So he's got that going for him, and uh, we'll see if he's able to leverage that into success on Saturday. Next item here, uh, this is a pretty interesting note, and this one comes from Phil Savage, who, of course, is the executive director of the Senior Bowl here in Mobile. 
and he said that he's heard some first-round buzz surrounding Utah State outside linebacker Kyler Fackrell. Uh, I've heard, you know, I, saw, I think I saw on Twitter last night uh, someone was comparing um, Fackrell to Connor Barwin uh, as that kind of type of player. Versatile guy, good pass rusher, can set the edge. Uh, we'll see exactly where Fackrell ends up, but I think he's been uh, a pretty good player. He's looked pretty impressive in what we've seen seen of him here in Mobile. Yeah, and he's got the ability to be one of those Swiss Army Knife players in a front seven for a defense. I think he's a good player. He can do a lot of different things for you. I'd like to see him get a little bit stronger, hold up a little bit better in the run game. I'm not sure if he'll con be consistently productive as a pass rusher. And it's funny, you taught, you made the comparison to Connor Barwin, and I think it's uh, there's a lot to be said for that comparison. You know, I think that they have a lot of similarities. Barwin was probably even a little bit better as a pass rusher coming out of Cincinnati, but Fackrell's got solid size. He's a former high school quarterback and wide receiver, so he's only been on the defensive side of the football for a few years now. And I think he's been solid so far this year. Uh, next item here, uh, this concerns one of the uh, more intriguing physical specimens that we've seen down here in Mobile, and that's Baylor defensive end Sean Oakman. Yeah. Uh, and while he's been down here, he's been doing a, a little bit of damage control. He, of course, was originally with Penn State. He was dismissed from the team from then head coach Bill O'Brien, now Houston Texans head coach Bill O'Brien, uh, for an off-the-field incident. So he's kind of trying to clear the air about himself down here w with some of the scouts and uh, some of the, you know, the other team officials down here in Mobile. Yeah, and that's one of the positives about coming down here to Mobile is that, you know, obviously you have the ability to be able to prove yourself on the field, but then off the field you get more exposures with NFL teams, with NFL decision makers across the league, and it allows you to, to show what kind of a person you are and what kind of a player you can be away from the field, how responsible you are, and all the different things that go along with football character. It's interesting that Oakman obviously has a little bit of a checkered pass and seems to have turned the corner there off the field. He's got the ability to prove himself here or down in Mobile. Do you wish Oakman would have showed you a little bit more here this week? I know the combine is obviously another a, a huge opportunity for him to show what he can do, but do you wish you would have seen a little bit more from him this week? Yeah, I mean, I think that would have gone a long way because his tape was up and down, um, especially this year. I thought there were some times where he showed some flashes of being a solid player. Other times you're not sure even if he's worthy of being selected. Obviously he's got outstanding size, and that's something we talked about with Allison. <coughs> you can't teach that size. Shows the ability to come off the ball really, really well. Athletically, what is he going to be? And that's why the combine will be interesting. I'll be interested to see what his three-cone is and what some of the agility tests turn out to be. How flexible is he turning the corner? That'll be a big question with him. But, you know, I, I think that he's, a, he's kind of one of those moldable balls of clay. And I know it's something that uh, we'll talk about in the days and weeks and months leading up to the NFL draft. Some of those players that are high upside type talents. I think Oakman is one of those players the question will be, how can you reach that full potential? How will he be able to get the most out of his game? Yeah, we may even talk about those high upside players on a podcast coming up in the near future. So uh, you'll have to stay tuned here to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. And before we move into our next segment here, I want to thank all the listeners out there, uh, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, however it is that you download and listen to your Eagles podcast. Feel free to rate, comment, subscribe tell us what you liked about our past shows what you'd like to see in upcoming shows maybe some things that you didn't like let us know feel free to reach out to us whether it's on there or on twitter uh let us know what you think of the shows we always love to hear your feedback 
And with that, I think we'll transition ahead here into Mr. Relevant with Tony Pauline, Draft Insider for DraftInsider.net. Uh, we had a really fun week down here with Tony. Always great to hear his insight. Uh, and in this segment here, he'll tell us which players stood out to him on day three at Lad Peebles Stadium. It's time for Mr. Relevant. We are wrapping up day three of our Senior Bowl coverage here at Lad People Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. I am Alex Smith, joined by Tony Pauline, Draft Insider for DraftInsider.net. Tony, let's talk about some of the guys that stood out to you today. We'll start off with a small school wide receiver, Paul McRoberts. He had a very nice afternoon. Yeah, he caught everything inside. I mean, he was basically, didn't do too much the first two days, but today he made a lot of nice catches in the open field, in the end zone, consistent hands. I mean, basically did what a small school guy had to do. Uh, he's also a good return specialist, so I think he may get consideration in the very late rounds now based on his performance today. How about another small school guy, this time on the defensive side of the ball, Harlan Miller, the cornerback? Terrific. I mean, a lot of people talking about Harlan Miller. He, he did well at, at Southeastern Louisiana. You saw him today in the end zone, in those red zone drills. He was knocking away passes, had a nice interception, plays physical football. He's just got to get a little bit stronger, but really showed terrific ball skills throughout the practice today. And one other small school guy, actually a player that we saw last week in St. Pete at the Shrine game, Javon Hargrave gets the call up here, and he put on a pretty nice show this afternoon. I was actually more impressed with his practice today than any of his three practices at the Shrine game. He showed great power. He was going up against some very talented offensive linemen. He's built low to the ground. He's built more like a nose tackle, and he played like a nose tackle. He's getting a lot of penetration. Very tough to handle today. And let's close things out by looking at one of the standout tight ends here, Jarrell Adams. Yeah, he looked good. Jarrell Adams has always been known as more of an athlete than he was a football player, but he made a lot of nice catches in traffic today with defenders draped on him. Now he's got to turn that practice into production during the game on Saturday. Very exciting day three here, our final day of coverage here at the Senior Bowl practices for Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net. I'm Alex Smith, and for continuing coverage, stay right here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Now it's time for Pick 6. We are chugging right along here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. It is now time for Pick 6, where Fran and I will each choose three players uh, for the category. And the category today, Fran, is the six players that are the most pro-ready that okay. we've seen down here in Mobile. I'm going to start things off, and I'm going to go with Sheldon Rankins, the defensive lineman from Louisville. Pick. He is just a... You just look at him, and he looks like an NFL lineman, a big body down in the middle, uh, showed some really strong pass rushing moves as well as being uh, a really strong player in the run game as well. I think you can make an argument that he's one of the top overall prospects down here, uh, and he certainly didn't hurt himself this week from what we saw. Yeah, I mean, it's, today's Thursday when we're recording this on Wednesday. The, as that North practice, he had was almost near unblockable at times. I mean, he, he – he won off the ball a number of different times in one-on-one -on -one drills, was very dominant uh, throughout the course of the practice. And very impressive player. And, again, it's a crowded group of defensive linemen, and I think he's just one of many very talented interior players along the defensive side of the football. Just a very impressive player. He can play in a number of different schemes and be very effective. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rankin's game. All right, who's the first player up on your list here? Uh, the first player I would say players that are most pro-ready, and I'll put this in a context, and I'm going to say Kenyon Drake, the running back from Alabama. I don't think that okay. he's a feature back at the next level, but I think he's a plug-and-play player that can come in and fill a role as a third-down back right away because of his ability out of the backfield. And maybe I say as a third-down back, 
I don't know what he can do in pass protection, but if you can, if he can get with a creative offensive coordinator, a guy that's going to be able to take advantage of his athleticism. We saw him beat Reggie Ragland a number of times today in one-on-one -on -one drills as a receiver. If you get a, a creative offensive coordinator that knows how to move him around the formation, formation use him as a chess piece, and create favorable matchups, he could be a guy that could make an impact early in his career. I agree with you 100%, friend. I think he's a really, really good player, and I've been highly impressed with what I've been able to see to him, well, see from him uh, this week here in Mobile. Uh, I think he could be almost like a Shane Vereen type player, as just you know that pass catching ability out of the backfield, that change of pace running back. Uh, big fan of Kenyon Drake. My next player here in pick six. I'm going to go with Sterling Shepard, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, uh, as one of the most pro-ready prospects that we've seen. Because, uh, again, he's a guy that I just think can do it all. He's fast. He's shown great hands, able to catch passes over the middle. Uh, and I think that if you plug him into an NFL offense uh, from day one, I think he could be your slot receiver. I think he can also contribute on special teams, and we know that that's a huge part uh, of why rookies are able to see playing time right away. So I think he could make a name for himself on special teams, but also, you know, Plug him in right away as that slot receiver, uh, as that Tyler Lockett type wide receiver, that deep threat, the vertical threat, a uh, guy who can hit you up down the seams. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Sterling Shepard. Yeah, and I think he's had uh, a really good week of practice. So definitely a guy I'm really excited to watch moving forward. Uh, my second name is going to be a guy I don't think a lot of people are talking about. And obviously he's got some limitations to his game. He's not uh, the most strong-armed quarterback. He's not always the most accurate quarterback. So you're already looking at it and you're like, all right, well, what, what are we dealing with here? But I think that Kevin Hogan, the quarterback from Stanford, has always shown consistent pro-style traits, his ability to work in the pocket, to throw with anticipation. And that's the thing is, uh, you know, a guy may not have the strongest arm. You look at someone like Peyton Manning right now at this stage of his career, obviously going to a Super Bowl. When you get to that point and you're, you maybe you don't have the strongest arm, but if you throw with anticipation, see things before they happen, the ability to throw receivers open, you may not always need outstanding velocity to get the ball there because you're already – way ahead of where the def the defense is. So I think that Kevin Hogan shows some real uh, intriguing traits as far as the mental side of the game. He's improved each and every year. I think there was a point as a junior where people thought maybe he might transfer away from Stanford because things weren't ac exactly going to plan. But I thought he came back. He had a strong year this year, helped lead them to a lot of success after a disappointing start to the season. I think, Stanford, uh, I think that Hogan is a very intriguing prospect as a day three type player you bring in and hopefully turn into a backup down the line. Yeah, and I think obviously playing in that pro-style offense at Stanford has really helped him a lot uh, as he works with these NFL coaches uh, down here in Mobile. Uh, I, and I agree with you. I think Hogan is – uh, he's really impressed me this week because I wasn't a huge fan of him coming into the week, but uh, he's shown me more than I thought he would. My final guy here today for pick six is going to be another defensive lineman, Jaron Reed from Alabama. Uh, another big guy, just a, a huge body that you could put in on the defensive line. Uh, granted, he did have his struggles a little bit today. We saw him matched up one-on-one -on -one against Graham Glasgow, the yeah. center guard combo. Um, the center guard from the University of Michigan, and Glasgow really owned him for a lot of the day, but at the same time, it was also during pass rushing drills, and I, we've talked about it before off-air just while we're watching him. We don't really think that pass rushing is going to be his forte at the NFL level. He's going to be you know, kind of that two-gapper, a guy who can just eat up space and just envelop you know, all running backs that try to run past him. But just looking at him, he just looks like 
he's a guy that you can plug in. Maybe not a starter from day one in the NFL, but certainly a rotational player in the mix as soon as he walks in the door. Uh, he still has a lot to work on, especially in the pass rushing game, like I just mentioned. But uh, his body and, of course, his background coming from Alabama uh, and all the su success that they have had and all the talent that they have, uh, Jaron Reed's a guy, I think, who is pretty pro-ready right now. Yeah, I, I'm really a big fan of Reed, and I think he's uh, certainly a plug-and-play type player at the next level. The next guy I'm going to go with, Jack Allen, the center from Michigan State. And I, I really like Allen. I think he's had a really strong week of practice, especially in those one-on-one -on -one drills. He's shown the ability to anchor down against a bull rush. I think that he's got positional versatility, played some tackle this year, has played some guard in the past. He stood out to me very early in his career. I believe he was a, a true sophomore going up against Lewis Nix from Notre Dame, who a lot of people thought was going to be a high pick. And I think he ended up going in the second or third round, the nose tackle from Notre Dame. And Allen just manhandled him at the point of attack as an underclassman. And I've been watching this kid ever since. He's a really impressive player to watch. He's a bulldog in the run game. He gets it done in pass protection. I, I like Jack Allen a lot. I'll be very interested to see where he ends up getting drafted. Well, apparently you like him so much that you went and sought him out after practice as you got an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview with the Michigan State, the Michigan State uh, Center. Uh, so let's throw it now to our unofficial visit for today's podcast. Here is Jack Allen, offensive lineman from Michigan State. The unofficial visit. Here now with Michigan State offensive lineman Jack Allen. Jack, for those who have yet to see you play, can you give a, a quick scouting report of yourself? Um, I would say I'm tough, physical up front, and uh, I've got a pretty good football IQ, and I kind of know the scheme of the offense and where everybody's going, so... I think that's kind of me in a nutshell. Based off the feedback you've gotten so far from NFL scouts, what's one area that you know you want to improve on in your game throughout the draft process? Um, I would probably say second-level blocking. Sometimes I get a little over-aggressive and just try and run through guys as hard as I can instead of slowing down and bringing my hips to actually block him. So that's something I'm working on and kind of tight hands. Sometimes they get out there, but I'm working on it. What's uh, Obviously, you've been a long-time starter. You've played center. you played some tackle this year as well. What's the, what was the hardest part about having to play a lot of those different positions on the fly throughout the year? Um, I would say it wasn't really too hard this year, but I would say if it was two or three years earlier, I would have been in some trouble. But uh, I've kind of been around the, our offense for a while, so I know what everybody's doing on every play, so it's, it works out. Well, the, the one position that I was probably one of my favorite plays all year long, uh, against Penn State, you lined up as a tailback and they ran power with you. I, I was easily one of my favorite plays, not only because you got into the open field, you scored, you stiff-armed a linebacker. Like, you just t t take me through that play. Um, we never practiced it or anything, and Coach D is pretty big on giving, like, a senior old lineman a carry in their last game. So we are supposed to, supposed to be the next play when our defense stopped him on the kickoff, but uh, they fumbled and we got it on the nine, and we actually drew it up on the whiteboard on the sideline and had everybody there and like, okay, like this is what we're going to do. And it worked. That's awesome. So last question for you. Your senior year, obviously a lot of talented Big Ten defensive linemen. Who would you say was the toughest opponent you went up against this past fall? I would say two of the guys here, uh, Austin Johnson and uh, Adolphus Washington. They're pretty talented guys. They're big, strong, athletic, and they've got long arms. So they're what you want in a defensive tackle, nose guard type. All right, well, Jack Allen, appreciate the time and best of luck moving forward. On the clock. All right, Fran, it is now time to go on the clock, and we're going to play a little game called Would You Rather right now. I'm going to give you two scenarios, I, maybe even. I love Would You Rather. 
I, I didn't fan. realize you were such a big fan of it. Big fan of Would You Rather. So I'll give you a couple scenarios, uh, two or three different ones, and you'll tell me which one you would prefer. So let's start things off with a player that we just heard from, Jack Allen, uh, the rushing superstar from Michigan State. <laughs> uh, so would you rather draft Jack Allen in the third round or Michigan center Graham Glasgow in the fifth round? Okay. That's a, that's a really good conversation to have. I think Glasgow has gotten better each and every day this week. You know, obviously he was very dominant down at the Shrine game last week. Uh, and seeing him here in the Senior Bowl, I think that he's, got, uh, he's gotten better each and every week and has really started to improve as the week has worn on. I think I'd still go Allen. I really like Glasgow. I'm a big fan of Glasgow. But I think I'd go Allen in the third round. I just think he's a better player. Uh, and with the Eagles having two third-round picks... I think that you get that you spend that extra guy, extra pick there on an interior lineman that could start right away. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you here, and I'm going to go with Graham Glasgow in the fifth round. And look, I think Jack Allen is tremendous, but I think the gap between them uh, might be a little bit shorter than some people think. And again, I've I've only seen them uh, up close and personal for a few days here. I haven't watched film on them really at all. We did see a little bit more of Glasgow last week as well, but. Uh, I think that Glasgow is a really intriguing prospect. He's got good size. He can play center. He can play guard. Uh, we saw him handle Jaron Reed multiple times today. Uh, so if you're telling me that I can get Graham Glasgow in the fifth and that frees up one of my third-round picks, I'm going to take that. I'm going to go with that option. Uh, this is the, and that's a good conversation because that speaks to the depth in this interior line class. All right, next one, and this is another offensive line question. Fran, you can either have Cody Whitehair in the first round Jason Spriggs in the second round or Spencer Drango in the third round? Which one of those options would you prefer? All right, I have a question. Okay. Am I allowed to trade down? No. It has to be a 13. Correct. All right, at this point right now, I'm not positive that Cody Whitehair is the 13th best player in the draft. I still have to continue to do more work. As of this point, I don't think that he's that highly rated. And I don't know that Spencer Drango is worth a third-round pick. So I'm going to go Jason Spriggs. Of these three options, I'm going to go Jason Spriggs in round two. I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think really the question is, does Spriggs make it to the second round? And yeah. I, th I think I when we talked to Lance Zerline from NFL.com and even Tony Pauline, I think that they kind of thought that he'd be more of a second, third-round pick kind of guy. But you know, there was reports. I, I've even seen some mock drafts that had Spriggs going in the first round that even he could fit for the Eagles. Now, I don't necessarily think that he's the 13th best player uh, in the draft overall, like you were talking about with Whitehead, but I think if you could get him in the second round, and again, the Eagles don't have a second round pick right now, but we're playing the hypothetical game that you can move some things around and maybe get into the second round, uh, I would take Jason Spriggs in the second round. I think that is the best value there. All right, next question up here, Fran. Would you rather trade, and you're the Eagles, would you rather trade one of your third round picks you have two picks. You have two third-rounders. Would you rather okay. trade one of them to ensure that you get your guy in the first round, whether that's Carson Wentz, whether it's you know, an offensive lineman or a linebacker that you think is going to go possibly before 13? So would you trade one of your third-round picks to ensure that you get the guy you want in the first or trade down in the first to maybe get back into the second round? You know, I think that this is – and this is a two-layered answer. I'm going to answer it – both ways. Okay. If you're saying that the target is a quarterback because we didn't resign Sam Bradford uh, and you want to get Carson Wentz, you want to get Jared Goff, you want to get Paxton Lynch, whoever you feel that quarterback is, and you need to have that guy, then you have to give up that third-round pick. If it's for another player, though, 
I think that you're better off trading down and saying, okay, well, let's pick up the extra pick. That, that's just my feeling. So that's going to be my answer. <laughs> answer in both ways. If it's a quarterback, I feel like that is obviously the most important position on the field. You want to make sure you get that guy. Here, right, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. What if it's what if Christian Hackenberg is on the bo- is still on the board, say in that third round area? Okay. Then would you consider trading? If say you know say you really like Christian Hackenberg and you I think do. he's going to be there in the third round? I do. So, at that, if you really like him and you think he's a fit for your system. Do you then start thinking, okay, maybe we can trade out in the first round and get the guy we still like later on in the, in the draft? So the thing is is that if you really like Christian Hackerberg and if you really think that he's the guy that can be a starter right now, I don't think you're taking him in the third round. You're not even risking getting to that point. You're going to take him in the first round? Well, I don't say, I'm not saying you take him 13th overall. You, have, you, you could trade, okay. You have okay. some kind of an idea as to where he's going to go in the draft, and you, and you kind of play the play the draft that way. Maybe that means you trade down. Maybe it means you trade up into the second round. Whatever it is that you feel like you, you're, getting, you're getting proper value. That's what it's really – it comes down to. And this is, this is why the draft is so fun because it's not just evaluation of prospects. It's also the valuation of prospects. Where, where are guys – properly valued and slotted in terms of what round they should go in. And I think that's something that Howie Roseman has always done such a great job of knowing and of doing is looking around the draft and seeing, you know what, we can move down a little bit. We can remember back to that Jordan Matthews draft in in 2013. Chip Kelly wanted to take Jordan Matthews in the first round, and Howie Roseman pumped the brakes, said, "Hold on, we can get him later. We'll get, we'll get you your guy, but let's we're gonna we'll wait to the second round." Same thing happened with Taylor Hart. He wanted right, to exactly. take Taylor Hart in the third, second, and third round, and he said, "Hold on, we'll, we'll be able to get him day three. and then that allowed them to you know to select other players. I think that really, if you have an understanding of of the draft and you uh, and the valuation of prospects, that really helps you in these kind of situations. That's why I love Would You Rather because it really spurns a lot of interesting discussions around that topic. All right, friend, next question here. Uh, this one's going to torture you a little bit. All right. Because it's two of your favorite guys that we've All seen right. down here. This, here we go. You can only have one or the other. Okay. Kenneth Dixon All right. or Jihad Ward uh, on uh. the Eagles roster. Which would you rather have? <sighs> you can only have one. And obviously two areas of strength for the Eagles. So, uh, you know, the, the running back position, obviously there's a lot of money tied up there. I think that with the new system coming in, I would expect the Eagles rushing attack to be much better moving forward. The defensive line for the Eagles, obviously, one of the strongest position groups on the entire team. Would I rather have – I think that Jihad Ward would be an outstanding fit in what Jim Schwartz wants to do. But – Oh. I think I would take Kenneth Dixon. Wow. I didn't I expect that. I think I would take that. Kenneth Dixon because I think that – you know, you get a, uh, another young running back in here, a guy that can immediately help you. And obviously we know that Darren Sproles can do this. We know that Ryan Matthews can help in the passing game too. But Kenneth Dixon right now can help as a, as a, uh, as a receiver out of the backfield. He can continue to improve and learn how to be a pro and things of that nature and come along a little bit. Remember how, we, how the Eagles took Brian Westbrook in the third round sure. and developed him. I think that you can look at a similar situation with Kenneth Dixon. That would be the guy I think I would take. And, and – that's the other thing, too, that would go into it. I think he, I think you need a first-round pick to get Jihad Ward. Wow. Kenneth Dixon, uh, you might have to wait a little bit. You might be able to wait a little bit longer. I, I think if the question simply is, which one would I – if I could have one or the other, not based on where they're drafted okay. or where they might fall, if it's simple – So you're know, walking down the street and someone says, hey, you can have Jihad Ward or Kenneth Dixon. I'm going to go with Jihad Ward. Okay. I, I really am. And I, I, I can't fault you for going that way. I, obviously, I love both players. And, and the reasoning is it's pretty, it's pretty similar to exactly what you just said about Kenneth Dixon, where 
even though the defensive line is a position of strength right now for the Eagles, he could still be a kind of a rotational guy that you mix in every now and then. And as the years go on, he gets more and more playing time, and he becomes more and more of a, a bigger – he has more and more of a bigger role on the defense – uh, he's just such a physical specimen. He's a stud. He's got so many different moves that he can beat you with. Uh, and, you know, I think the Eagles are so deep at running back right now. And I know that Darren Sproles isn't going to be here forever, but I, I just think that drafting one of those stud pass rushers can really just do so much uh, for defense. Just look at, like, the Denver Broncos defense right now where they come at you with Vaughn Miller on one side, DeMarcus Ware on the other. And I don't know if Jihad Ward is going to be either one of those two players. He might be, but as far as we know. But when you have those edge rushers that can just collapse the pocket on almost every single play, you don't have to worry about blitzing. You can just, you know, send four and cause mayhem. I'd love to have a guy like Jihad Ward. Uh, and you can never have too many interior pass rushers. I, I would 100% agree with that. So that's a good pick. All right, last one here, and okay. it's going to be a, another uh, bit of torture for you here. Oh, man. Same situation, same question. You can either have Carson Wentz, and that's assuming that Sam Bradford doesn't return. Okay. You can either have Carson Wentz or Reggie Ragland. you, you got to have Wentz. If Bradford's not here, you got to have Wentz. Uh, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft, and I think that right now – if you don't have Sam Bradford moving forward, you have to take the quarterback. That's the most important position on the field. You know, you could potentially find another linebacker later. As much as I love Ragland, you could potentially find another linebacker later that could help fill that role that he would fill. You can't find. You can't just find another quarterback later in the draft, presumably, uh, to come in and step in and be a starter. I I I have to agree with you because. From what we've seen all week long here in Mobile, Carson Wentz is so far ahead of any of the other quarterbacks. You've down fallen there. in love with Carson Wentz. No, well, we walk. Okay, it's a little inside baseball here. We were walking into the hotel. I know what practice. story you're going to tell here, <laughs> and I and I have a reply to it. But go ahead. <laughs> we were walking in. It was after the afternoon practice. We just finished our last practice of the week. Coming into the hotel, or you know, here in downtown Mobile, we walk in, and Alex was walking about six feet ahead of me, and he turns and he goes. And I'm like, what did, what did you just say? He was so rushed, so excited. He was like a little kid on Christmas. And he was like, that was Carson Wentz. We haven't, talk, we haven't gotten a chance to talk to him yet. We've been hoping to try and get him for one of our unofficial visits, and we have yet to be able to. You are very, very excited. Here's my I think reason. you're smitten. You're smitten. No, 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 no. You're smitten with the bison. Here's my reason. Okay. Because you said to me <laughs> last, last night, we're recording this on Thursday, yep. on Wednesday night, you walked, when we were sitting right here, <laughs> you said to me, I don't even know what Carson Wentz looks like. I did. Because I said, correct. I was like, oh, yeah, he walked by earlier. And you were like, I don't even know what he looked like. And as we're recording this, he, he literally just, just walked, walked by, by again. He just walked by. He probably heard us talking about him like two maniacs. <laughs> I really hope I heard, he heard my comment about you being smitten. <laughs> he, that's so funny that he just walked by <laughs> as we're recording this right now. Uh, but uh, the reason I stopped and pointed him out to you is because you said, I don't even, I'm not even sure what he looks like. You watch so many games of him. Obviously, he's in his full uniform. He's got his full pads on, his helmet on. But I was trying to help you uh, by saying, that's him. That's what he looks like. But he like. is your favorite player here. Yeah, oh, absolutely. All right. 100%. Well, now 100%. that we're clear on that. 100%. So if it's Wednesday right, then I'm going to take Wentz too. All right. I think we learned a lot about each other there in uh, <laughs> on the clock. And I think we'll head into our uh, our last segment here, and we'll dig into our draft mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. We are hitting the home stretch here on this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Alex Smith alongside Fran Duffy here on day three 
at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. We are coming to you from Radio Row inside the Players Hotel in downtown Mobile. And uh, let's finish things off strong here, Fran, as we dig into our draft mailbag. And our first question here, and it's a good one, comes from Dustin Bradley who wants to know if Jalen Smith, really talented player from Notre Dame, if he's on the board at 13, do you pick him? We know about his injury situation. Really a, a tough blow for a guy who is one of the top prospects uh, coming into this year's draft. But if he's on the board at 13, can you risk taking him that early despite his injury? Uh, I think that the months of February, March, and April will be very important as teams continue to acquire more information about his rehab process. And uh, there was a report, I think our friend Tony Pauline had just put out that it was very similar in terms of the injury to the uh, rehab that Cedric Obwehi, the first-round pick for the, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, went through a year ago. He wasn't available for the start of the season. And that's where you start to come into, okay, you know, is it worth trying to draft that guy? If, not, if you're not sure what his, what his health is going to be moving forward, now that, that's going to be a question. How much did it affect Todd Gurley a year ago? How much did it affect the boy here a year ago? Those are all questions we have to answer. My guess, I mean, the guy, he tore multiple ligaments in his knee in late this, in mid-December, late December. It was New Year's Eve, right? So uh, he, at the very least, you're not looking until a mid-season rehab, uh, return. I mean, that's, and that's t a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Now, if you're, if you're looking big picture, you may see, I mean, I would say that he's probably a top 15 prospect in this class, healthy. Now you just got to decide if you want to pull the trigger there. If he's healthy, how does he compare with Miles Jack, who's arguably the top outside back, the top linebacker in this year's group? I think Jack and both are ridiculous prospects in terms of uh, their range and their ability to play sideline to sideline. I think that Jalen Smith is a little bit better playing to the line of scrimmage. Great athlete, but is not as comfortable in space moving backwards in reverse as Jack. I talked earlier this week about Miles Jack and how uh, about how UCLA used him in man coverage against Nelson Aguilar last year. Jaylen, they didn't use Jalen Smith that way. So Jack is much more comfortable in that kind of a role. So that's really the difference is it depends on what you're looking for. If you want a guy that can be great in coverage, then you want Jack. If you want a guy who can be good in coverage and is really good at other positions, you might like Jalen Smith more. Both players are very, very good, and I, and I would throw Ragland in there as well. Obviously a different kind of player compared to those other two players. I think that all three are top-notch NFL linebacking prospects. And our next question here comes from uh, Mark Saltvite, Chip Kelly aficionado Mark Saltvite, a guy who's covered him back through his time at Oregon. Uh, he, and Mark wants to know, do you see any chance of Dak Prescott, who does he have a chance to play quarterback at the next level, and if not, could he possibly have success at another position? Uh, just my two cents really quickly. I don't know if, if he's going to move to another position. I think he can play quarterback. I think he could be a serviceable backup. I don't know if he's ever going to be uh, a bona fide starter in the NFL. He's had a really up-and-down week, I think, here in Mobile. But, uh, Fran, obviously you've watched the tape, so you know a little bit more. Yeah, I think that Prescott has come a long way in a lot of areas of his game. Uh, he's got natural tools. Obviously he's a big, strong kid. He throws it well. He's athletic. Ultimately, I think the issue, though, comes down to the fact that he holds on to the ball entirely too long in the pocket from when uh, the games that I've watched even this year. He takes a lot of unnecessary hits, leaves a lot of plays on the field. Plus, his ball placement is average at best. That showed up a few times this week in senior bowl practices. 
uh, and that'll be an issue that he'll need to, to remedy moving forward. He needs to refine, I think, his lower body mechanics, his footwork, and his drops. Obviously played in a shotgun-heavy system at Mississippi State. We'll have to learn how to work from under center, most likely moving forward into his NFL career. I don't know the, how, how ready he is to play. I've made comparisons to the past to, to a Brett Hundley from UCLA a year ago who ended up being a sixth-round pick in a much worse overall quarterback group last year in 2015. You know, I think Prescott has potential. Now, is he is he a quarterback? I think he's I think he's a quarterback prospect. I do. If you're going to try and move him to another position, you know, maybe like an H back type player. You know, I, I think he's he's six two and a half, 226 pounds. I don't know that he's a, as a running back. I think it's more of a like a, a fullback tight end kind of swing player. Kind of, and people have made the comparisons to Tebow and body type wise. That's where it kind of fits. And our final question here in today's draft mailbag comes from a Bo Wolf who says, Hey, Fran, love the pod. Doesn't even mention me. Any punters standing out? Well, it just so happens that one punter has been standing out this week. He has. Yeah, and, and I said to you the first day, we were over at Fairhope, the very first practice, uh, and the, the ball was coming off this kid, the, the punter from Wake Forest, Alexander Canal. 6'4", 209 pounds. He's got 9 and 1 eighths inch hands, 32 and 1 eighths inch arms, 77 and 3 quarters wingspan. Ball comes off his foot really, really well. Uh, and, he, and he's done a good job punting all week long. I think some of the other punters that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, both here and at the Shrine game, have been solid. Uh, I think Riley Dixon from Syracuse has been okay. I think that, that, uh, that Canal, though, has far outshined the rest. So I know that, I know that Bo Wolf, the, the proud Demon Deacon, is very happy to hear that. Yes, uh, the ball absolutely made a different sound just yes. coming off of his foot. Uh, I, I think it's been really interesting to kind of watch the specialists at these All-Star games because obviously they're down there to show off what they can do. But really, if, if you're the punter, it's like you punt in warm-ups and then you kind of just sit there for the rest of practice. And obviously you've had a great season, you've had a great career, and that's how you get here. Uh, so you certainly have the right to be recognized. But, you know, it's just the way that, you know, how normal NFL practices go is, you know, the the, the skill players get most of the, the playing time, most of the practice time. And then every now and then they'll kick a field goal. Maybe they'll do a punt return drill. Uh, so I, I like giving some love for the specialist. Yeah, and I can remember being here last year and Bo had, was sitting right next to me and I heard – I had heard from one of my friends, and I, I know a couple people around the league, a couple, a couple people in different scouting departments, and uh, one of my buddies goes to me and says, hey, the, the long snapper is a legit prospect, like maybe the best long snapper that's come out in the last 10 years. And I kind of laughed, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. He ended up going, he ended up getting drafted as a long snapper. Uh, the kid that ended up from, from Navy that got drafted by the New England Patriots. So uh, you always see those specialists, uh, they have a chance to, to shine down here in Mobile. All right, well, we want to thank everyone, even Bo, for sending in their questions in today's draft mailbag. And I think that's just, go, just about going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Now, we will have our recap podcast where we'll kind of talk about everything that we saw here in Mobile. That will come your way tomorrow, uh, so you won't have much of a delay. We'll be traveling back to Philadelphia, but we'll be sure to get that podcast in before we leave. So I think that'll wrap things up. So for Fran Duffy, I'm Alex Smith. Thank you all for listening, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, however it is that you listen to us, be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe. And we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.